Mel? Nope. Echo. Okay, running. Yeah, record, man. So we'll get five minutes just now, okay? All right, okay. So, three, two, one. Hello, welcome to episode 156 of Three Beers and Movie. I am Richard Laird, and I'm with Barry Neil. Barry, I want to say happy birthday to you since it was your birthday a couple of days ago. Thank you very much. I'd also like to return the same gesture and wish you a happy birthday for today. Thank you very much, sir. It's, it's nice to be doing this on my birthday. It's what I would like to be doing is talking to yourself on my birthday. Um, <laughs> Thank you very much. Yes, yeah, so we are. As always, distant from each other. The, the the new laws of being able to talk to people in person haven't quite got to Scotland yet. We're still having to social distance to a great degree. Yes, we're still we're still protesting at the border of Scotland, telling all the campers coming up from England to turn around and get a fuck. Yeah, I, I honestly think we're only doing that because see if England has decided to keep the place locked down for the next six months, Scotland will open the next day. Yeah, just to show we're going to do yes, we're going to do it different from you. Doesn't matter what England does, we go. Yeah, we can, we, can, we can do something different, you know. In the last like month or so, it has became like painfully obvious that like uh, Nicola is simply just flexing at this point. <laughs> it's like she's just trying to show that she's like a world leader. So Aye. whatever Boris says, she pretty much just ignores it and then does the exact same a few weeks down the line. Aye. Because <laughs> it's, it's like it's kind of like your mum would tell you like clean your room, but you wouldn't do it straight away. <laughs> you might do it like you know. The next day, and you're like, your mum's saying, like, well, my mum's like, happy you cleaned your room, but in your mind, you've won as well because you made a wait an extra day. You know, that is, yeah. just, it feels like it's just, it's just, it's that little kind of fuck you. And it's like, part of me goes, is this what really we should be doing? And like, when it comes to like a national health emergency, you know, playing a game of like, sort of like, fuck you, chicken, you know, it seems, it seems yeah. like a odd turn of events. They're, they're simply playing with our lives now. Yeah. <laughs> We are, if everyone, they already knew we're pawns, but at least they're even been more obvious now that we are just pawns in a, a great game of unionist chess. Um, <laughs> and, that is the, and that is our political segment for right now. Um, so, yes. Um, it is quite, it's later on in a, on a Sunday. Are you drinking anything today? No, I've just had a rather smooth coffee. Uh, it was nice, it was caramel flavoured. Ooh, nice. One of those non-environmentally friendly pods that we all don't talk about. Okay. <laughs> I didn't you like, oh, you had a coffee drink? You, you're quite a big coffee drinker, aren't you? You, you actually like coffee. Yeah, uh, but predominantly I drink it for the caffeine just to give me the boost to get me away from energy drinks. That was like my kind of replacement. <laughs> What's got more caffeine, an energy drink or, or a cup of coffee? Uh, I think energy drinks, but the problem is energy drinks, as you know, come with a lot of other crap that right, you okay. barely can produce. So, whereas coffee is giving you the caffeine hit, but in theory, it's not coming with a lot of the other strange chemicals. There's, no other name, there's not like 900 other E numbers in it that are going to make you like go orange eventually. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. <laughs> Plus, I find like I don't crash as hard as well on coffee. Like, I was crashing really bad. Anytime I'd have any sort of like energy drink, I'd like okay. be skyrocketing, and then a few hours later, be crashing heavily. So, so coffee that's like, brings you up gradually, and then you enjoy the peak, yes. and then you can mellow off. Whereas I'm assuming energy drink bumps you right up to very top very quickly, but equally, it's a short bust, and you like you crash down very quickly as well. Aye, and then whatever reason, I always seem to have a terrible sleep on energy drinks as well. It's like, even if I have it first thing in the morning at work or whatever, see, that night, terrible sleep. It's, okay. Uh, 
I have still no idea how they actually get like those things through, like the food agency. Yeah, you know? yeah I agree. Because they, they just seem like absolutely just like you know just crazy amounts of like sugar and caffeine and stuff in them. And it's like it just seems like rocket fuel. And it seems like they do way more damage than they do, you know, any good. good. Um, do you drink fancy yeah. coffee or do you drink just Nescafe? Uh, just really anything that's lying around. Uh, right now I'm drinking. Uh, what is it? It's like a silver tub uh, of Americano. I usually have that black. Uh, no sugar, no milk. Just go hard. Nice. I remember you know, at down. one point getting coffee in a big way, and I bought a coffee machine to switch. And they had to put the, had to put the granules in it and stuff like that, and it was filtered down and all that kind of stuff. He used it for a bit, nah, and then it's See? it's now in a cupboard. And I remember buying loads of fancy coffee for it and everything, and sort of things I thought you would like. Again, they're still all sitting in a couple. You, you, you ignore yeah. that after, I think, about yeah. a month. So it's, it's the age-old thing, isn't it? It's like the toasty makeup. It's like, yes. <laughs> I've always had my, like, my little coffee machine sitting out. Uh-huh. But uh, in terms of like buying the pods and stuff, it is quite expensive. It's yeah. like even when they're on a deal, they're still very expensive. And like I said, the ones that I get, they can't actually be recycled. So it's like, even if you're really like hardcore environmentalist, they're not good for the planet whatsoever. Right, okay. right? Especially because you go through two of them every time for a cup of coffee because you put the frothy milk stuff in. Right, and then okay. when you put the other pod in, that gives you the coffee bit. Right, okay. So I tend to use that more sparingly now, you know. Right, okay. But a little bit like your machine, it's great when you first get it. And then as time whittles on, it's like, I don't need to be buying these pods all the time, you know, just can take it easy, you know. Well, hers wasn't pods, hers was the one when you put the granules in and it sort of, and it water filters through it. I think she's, yeah, I think she didn't like cleaning it, that was all it was. It just, she got fed up cleaning it. One day I remember I like, hadn't cleaned it, but when I opened up and all the basically like a moss had grown inside the, 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 the coffee granules. I'm like, you need to start either use this or put it away because I'm not, I'm not having a garden growing in the coffee machine. <laughs> <laughs> Plant some tomato seeds so you get tomatoes. It, 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 I'm like, oh, that's disgusting. So, so yeah. <laughs> yeah, I, I've I've never went to that level. I can never get into the whole beans and paper light filters and all that. Yeah. That's never my my thing. No. Just give me I, the quickest quickest coffee you can possibly make and let me slam it. Yeah, I thought it might have been her thing. It turned out it was her thing for about a month, and then it became not her thing. Yeah. So, so there we go. <laughs> um, I am drinking something interesting. I've actually got beer because it's a Sunday, it's my birthday, so I can drink what I want. Um, and it's called Pogo. Yes. From the Wild Beer Company. Okay. A label and stuff. Like, ooh. Oh, very nice. Yeah. Very nice. It is of. Yeah. It's a pale ale, passion fruit, orange, and guava. So this is. It's got a nice and a fruity taste to it. Very nice. It's really nice. Can I be a bit blue moonish, but not quite okay. as strong as that. But yeah, no, it's really nice. I think we've had them before. Nice. I noticed we follow them on Twitter, which I assume means we've had we've drank stuff from theirs before, but I can't actually honestly remember what we drank from them before. Okay. Um, oh. This has got my crate of beers from my, my birthday, um, and there's a bunch of random nice. companies in it. So Well Beer Company, one of the companies that are in it. So it's nice. Very, nice, very, very tasty. Very good. Good stuff. I'll need to, uh, once I finish this period of work, I'll certainly be back on the beers. I've got, I've still got a few left over from Lennox Brewery, so I'm absolutely choking to get them drank. Well, I have a few, 
thanks to yourself, I know a few of them as well, and I will definitely get filed into them at some point in the near, near future. I've got two days off work after this, so I may, I may have a few in the next couple of days. Um, nice. So for now, we'll fire into all things movies. And right now, we're looking at it where cinemas might be opening soon, probably about the 31st of July. So this will be the last, hopefully the last sort of constantly Netflixing, Amazoning series of pods we do. Because um, quite frankly, yeah. material's getting low. But we're running low material right now. There's, we're, we're firing through this. I was just about to say that we are starting to run out of like decent movies. We're starting to hit the dregs. We are hitting dregs. Like, we're struggling. We're struggling. <laughs> um, this, week, this week, I would say, in fact, last couple of weeks, I said, well, not that's been too bad. There's not there's been a few things because I knew it most has been actually quite, if not top quality, but solid stuff. Mm. Um, but yeah, we are. This, trying to find stuff to like, watch next week was a struggle, and I had to really delve deep mm. to try and find something to watch. And I'm also, I'm also trying to do. <laughs> Not stuff that's like say ten years old. Try to keep it at least stuff that's come out recently. You know, so trying mm-hmm. to keep it so people can you know something will be available. People want to watch that's come out new. So um, yes, try to find stuff that's that's new that's becoming interesting. Thankfully, Netflix is still producing and putting out new material. And that is the first film we watched this week, which is their new comedy uh, called Eurovision Song Contest: mm-hmm. The Story of Saga Fire. Directed by David Dobkin, who directed Fred Claus with Vince Vaughn. Um, he also directed okay. um, Wedding Crashers, the one with Vince Vaughn and Owen Wilson, and also mm-hmm. the, the Judge, which was Robert Downey Jr. trying to win an Oscar in the whole world going, not a very good film, mate, you're not getting an Oscar for that one. Um, so, this is a film that's all about Eurovision Song Contest. There are Will Ferrell plays an Icelandic dude. Who saw ABBA win the Eurovision Song Contest back in like 1972, 73, something like that? He becomes obsessed with Eurovision, and then ever, every year since then, he's been trying to get into Eurovision. Eventually, by luck and by luck and some bad luck, he eventually gets into Eurovision, and it's him and his partner Rachel McAdams trying to perform at Eurovision and in their mind not embarrass the nation, and that's essentially and it's just following their story as they try and compete in Eurovision for the, for the first time. And also in it is Dan Stevens playing a Russian singer who is probably the best singer in the film. And Peter <laughs> plays um, Will Ferrell's dad. And a lot of other supporting actors who are in it and don't get enough credit because there are some very funny actors in this who don't really get enough enough time on, on screen. Um, yes. What did you think of this one? I found this movie straight off the bat 30 minutes too long. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know where they could shave 30 minutes. Two hours for a comedy is almost a war crime. It's ridiculous. It should not happen. And two hours for a Will Ferrell modern day comedy is a war crime as well. Yes. You know? I, I it's, it's, there was a, for myself, there was a couple of chuckles. But because I was watching it Saturday morning, I did ultimately find myself through large portions of the movie. I actually just checking out my phone and getting yeah. up to date with like Twitter and stuff before while this was just running in the background. Yeah. Um, so I don't know about yourself, but that to me pretty much paints a picture of literally I was only watching this for the podcast. Yeah. Like I said, there was a couple of chuckles, but overall this was just fucking weak sauce. It's Will Ferrell. It's Will Ferrell. Just being Will Ferrell now, you know. Yeah, um, 
there's a like this is a problem like this film, and I, I did not like this film. So I, I, I laughed once in the whole film. That's that's how you mm. for a pure comedy. That it's got so many things happening in it that it forgets it's doing certain things. Like because there's a plot, right, okay. with, there's a plot with supposedly some sort of um, assassination and sort of um, you know that, that that's a plot there that they, they, they sort of have it to start and then they forget about it. There's this sort of weird, fantastical, mythical thing with like sort of Icelandic elves that mm. they sort of put in and then completely forget about as well. There's a love mm. story in it between Will Ferrell and Rachel McAdam, which yes. again it's sort of only half explored as well. I mean, in mm. that's a sort of through run. And also you get the story of Eurovision. You also get the story of yeah. the Dan Stevens character, or like what is his role in it? Like, is he supposed to be a love interest? Is he supposed to be sort of like a competitor against him? He seems like he's, he's just yeah. so changes from scene to scene, and you just feel like he was mm. getting he's probably getting script notes every day telling them what they need. He's probably going, none of this is sort of blink of what, what I done yesterday. You know, like, no, I don't find it, find yeah. it, fix it in the edit. And his part just seems unfortunate because he is very funny in it and he does his song. It's really good and it's really enjoyable. Yeah, but he never really he feels like he's just totally cut up and just feels and doesn't really fit in. And then the whole tone yeah. because it starts out trying to be a comedy. Eurovision itself is inherently stupid. So this should mm-hmm. be life for, for that kind of level of comedy, like, you know, Blades of Glory type comedy. But it, 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 they sort of lay into the heart of it and trying to maybe not make it look as silly, which doesn't make any sense. Then there's this whole kind of weird musical number halfway through it when, when all the artists start singing and dancing. So I'm going like, are you going for like, uh, going for like Greatest Showman type thing here now? It just was a complete and utter mess, to be honest. I... Uh, oh. I started liking uh, Dan Stevens' kind of like kind of storyline. See when they met up at the Eurovision, I, I kind of started enjoying it. See when that kind of he was starting to fall for him. Yeah. But obviously he was doing these performances, and everyone in the planet can see that he's a raging homosexual. Yeah. And it was funny that she was kind of starting to like fall in love with him. But then it's like it didn't go anywhere with it. It just stops, and you're yeah. like, right, okay. I yeah. <laughs> and, and then I was just, I it's just. I don't know. This film just—it just didn't capture my imagination. Like, no. if it wasn't for this, I would never have put this on in the first place. Um, probably the thing that got the most chuckles from me was the big fella in the bar that kept on screaming for the song uh, "Jaja Ding Dong." Yeah, <laughs> yeah. that's the one thing I yeah. laugh at. Honestly, that right? Um, okay, okay, um, yeah. And I, there is a there's a, a template for this kind of film. Like, see if you want to like, kind of look at a film where takes something completely outlandishly stupid and makes it funny. You watch something like Blades of Glory, which takes the absurdity mm. of ice dancing and makes it very funny. And it doesn't feel like taking the piss. It feels like yeah. it's very funny. Or even in a musical sense, if you watch, have you seen Popstar? One with Adam Sandberg. No. It's an, it's a, fine. It's a phenomenal comedy about like basically a Justin Bieber type character. It is okay. sort of genius. Probably one of the best comedy of the last ten years that no one saw, but it's so so funny. That's a template for my film to make it like you know to, to poke fun at and to be irrelevant, but not feel lazy. And this just felt all the way through just completely not really lazy. Mm. And I like Rachel yeah. McCarrum. I love Rachel McCarrum. I think she's great in almost everything she does. But in this, just felt like she just had nothing to work with. Pierce Brosnan has nothing to work with either. You've got the woman whose name mm. I can't remember right now, who's in what we do in the shadows, the TV show. She pops up in it as a like assistant stagehand, and has like three or four absolutely killer lines. But she never really gets it. Yeah. 
why are you bringing her in for that? She's one of the exceptionally funny women. And you have like basically three or four, four throwaway lines and that's her. Yeah. It's also like the cat problem as well that like I found that Piers Brosnan looked younger than Will Ferrell. Yes. And Piers Brosnan meant to have been the dad. Aye. <laughs> a wee bit. Will Ferrell. Piers Brosnan is instantly more fuckable than Will Ferrell. That's the thing. Like, mm. um, <laughs> thing is what I've got about it as well. It's just, it seems just a, a, a film where I'm, it actually, not just this film itself, but Will Ferrell generally over the last like sort of decade. I'm beginning to think. Yeah. Was he ever funny? Because he's well, so bad. I mean, there's just like sort of some weird mask that I, I thought it was funny, but if I watch these films now, they're not playing them funny. Thankfully, I do think Anchorman is still funny. I still think Old School is funny. Yeah. But I don't think he's as still... funny on Saturday Night Live. He's not found that. He's not. He's sort of not found a vehicle for a long time of like what something that makes him funny again. I uh, I think unfortunately every movie that I can really recount of. From say like Anchorman, every single movie he's done, I've always kind of thought about this feels like a diluted version of Ron Burgundy. Yeah. And then this is just like a, this is like the tail end of dilution of yeah. Ron Burgundy. Cause he's kind of trying to do some kind of something similar where he kind of totally just like loses it and all that yeah. in a moment. And you're just like, uh, this just doesn't really fit in it anymore, you know? No. No, I'm with you. I, I, I'm yeah. with you in that as well. I think yeah, Will Ferrell can be funny. He is definitely funny in Saturday Night Live. He is yeah. funny in Anchorman. He is also funny in Old School. But yeah. it's been a while since he had a funny hit. I've got to say, he's not been funny for a while. Yeah. Uh, Will Ferrell, he, didn't, he needs to find that mojo again. And maybe what he needs now is and, something's more scripted. He can tell mm-hmm. a lot of there's, there's yeah. so much um, improv in this. It just, it loses, that's what loses the story. There's just so much improv that the, the story just doesn't carry on and there's no momentum to the story itself. Like, where did that thing about the Americans even come from either when he was absolutely bashing on them? Yeah. And you're like, where did that come from? There's from, absolutely no, no need for that at all. Aye. It gives no narrative to it. It's not even that funny. It just seems, it just felt so silly and just, and just not even so yeah. funny. It's just so like, that's just lazy. Like, I don't know if this is maybe like an, Ice, an Icelandic thing where they hate all the American tourists or something. No, I, don't I think really do. don't. I don't, think, I don't think they do. I don't think they do. It's almost like trying to make it appeal to uh, Europeans. Because I think the idea is like Europeans all hate Americans because of like they're sort of yeah. uncivilized, uncouth and stuff like that. And I think maybe that was the idea behind it. But that felt like a joke from like 2000. Mm. It, it, it didn't yeah. feel like a very a bit like clever joke. Um, so anyway, out of 10, I'm giving it 4 out of 10. Mainly because I like Rachel McAdams still, which is still awesome. And also, I thought what Dan Stevens did was very funny mm. when he had a chat, but he just didn't have enough time to do anything. Yeah, I'm going to agree with you on this one. I'm jumping in at a 4 out of 10 as well. Yeah. Uh, pretty much roughly about the same reasons. A lot of good actors in it just horribly read, let down with a piss poor script. Yeah. You know? Yeah. So, moving on from that one. So, 4 out of 10 for Eurovision Song Contest, The Story of Saga Fire. Um, on to another Netflix film called Freaks, uh, directed by Zach Lepofsky and Adam B. Steen, um, who are doing a film called Kim Possible, which I think is sort of a big kid movie, I think. Um, the plot of this one is very hard to, to figure out. It's sort of, I read what it says on IMDb because trying to describe this without spoiling it, I think is really difficult because there's a, there's a lot going on yeah. in this film. 
um, and it's sort of it's very much a, the more the less you know about it, I think the better. Um, yes. So it says, a, a bold girl discovers a bizarre, threatening, mysterious new world beyond her front door after she escapes her father's protective and paranoid control. Um, so in the film, you've got Emil, Emil Hirsch plays the dad, Bruce Dern plays someone in the outside world, um, Grace Park plays a police officer, Lexi Kohler plays a young girl, uh, and Michelle Harrison plays someone who is involved with the family as well. Um, I would say it's it's hard to talk about it without ruining it too much. Um, yeah, yeah. It is a, it's weird because it starts off and it, it's a, like, I read about it in the net, on the poster and on the Netflix review it says like sci-fi, but for the first mm-hmm. maybe what forty odd minutes it feels very much like a thriller horror. You know, because it's like it's like a young girl in a house yes. with a guy and like you think it's a dad and you assume it's a dad, but the way they behave is sort of very odd and very strange and you can't really think is it sort of like a fritzel situation? You know, like you know, rumours it's sort of one of those kind of yep. things going on. Um, it's only as the story yep. develops and it's, it's only start getting more sci-fi elements into it. Yeah, it certainly leads you down the path to think that at least in the early, at least the early stages of the film, you really do think it's just the dad has somehow lost his mind at some point and he's yeah. paranoid about the outside world. Mm. This was another movie for myself that unfortunately I didn't enjoy it. Right. I'm not gonna lie. I. I it was okay, yeah. But without spoiling it, I thought the ending was just absolute fucking weak sauce. Yeah, it was like they didn't know where to go with it, and then they thought, "Ah, fuck it, we'll just do this." It's like a default answer to get to wrap it up, you know. And that's agree. what annoyed me. Hundred percent agree. And like, I, I enjoyed the first forty minutes, fifty minutes of it. Um, I liked the world building the director did. I thought they, they built this world up, and it felt kind of lived in and belonging. But then when it started to mm. try and tie everything together in the final act, there's like four stories going on at one time, and none of them really mm. coalesce properly. And because none all four of them aren't really done particularly well, you're left completely unsatisfied by anyone's story, I think, in the end. Yeah. Yeah, 100%. I found that even like even through the kind of later part of the movie as well, I found it all just a bit too... It was all just a bit too convenient. And nothing was ever really explained about who these cat people were. Mm. And like, in great detail, you know, it's like, you kind of got a little snippet, but you had no idea why these people had, like, the cat powers that they had. Yeah. So you're just about like, I didn't feel any sort of real connection. I was about like, well, are they the good guys or are they actually the bad guys? I'm like, what's actually going on here? Suppose um, the way I got it from it's, it's more of an allegory for like the idea of like you know sort of immigrants and things like that you know how how we treat people of yeah. different creeds and maybe even religions or in, in our country you know if they seem a little bit different you know from us you know just happen these people these people like sort of difference is something as a power essentially um, mm. so I think it's supposed to be an allegory for that but I agreed some of that story did get lost um, throughout it yeah um, it probably could have done with a, maybe even just a prologue some even just even just writing on screen saying. The year is twenty twenty five. Mankind has evolved, and, and there's something just to, just to say what this yeah. is because you do feel a little bit lost within it. And um, I don't think I think maybe they don't want to do that because they wanted to make the first forty minutes such a horror thriller mm. aspect. You know, they didn't want to expect this. Almost like the sci fi was like a secondary thing. You know, because obviously this thing mm. if you went to the film in the cinema, you might have been surprised by the sci fi elements into it that come into it later on. 
Netflix because you're watching it on Netflix, yeah. you see it's put in the sci-fi section, it's put in like all the descriptions of what it is. So you're gonna go and like, okay, like, I know kind of what to expect. So you're you're expecting a sort of science fictiony twist at some point. Um, mm-hmm. So maybe that's why if, if they didn't, if they put that at the start, that would have ruined it in the cinema. But this, I don't know if the film even got a cinematic release. Um, and I like I like the performances. I thought they were decent. I thought Emil Hirsch is always very good. Bruce Dern is a creepy guy in the ice cream truck. Was also good. Yes. Young girl, I thought was excellent as well. I thought she, she didn't, she wasn't, she wasn't like annoying, which is something that a lot of characters become annoying. Um, I, I think this one, it, it's some really interesting ideas, and then I had mm. towards the end too many ideas and couldn't really sort of mm. put them all together. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. It can, with the way you're talking, it can like, for me, it had that Cassian kind of feeling as that uh, Will Smith movie that he done when he was a cop and his partner was like an alien or something. Oh, bright. Yes, it had that kind of vibe going on with me. I was kind of sitting there thinking like, there's a lot of good bits in this. It just needs to be just fleshed out a bit more, yeah. you know? Yeah, fleshed out, better script. Yeah, no, agreed. The, the bones of something interesting are definitely there. Just not yeah. enough to be completely engaging and not enough to make it almost to recommend. You know, it's one of the things like it's not. If somebody's asking me like, "What can I watch this tonight?" I'll be like, "I probably wouldn't push them towards this." No, like, it's not. A, it's by no, no means a bad. It's not a bad film, but it's just not. It's just. It's a bit. You think you come out of a film a bit flat after watching it? Mm, yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Do you think there'll be a sequel to this from the way it finished? I think it, they seem like they, they want to make a sequel for. It. I don't know if they will, but it just seems like it's obviously mm. the world they've got there seems sequelizable. That's the word. We're just not. Yeah. Um, so I imagine they maybe try and do something with a sequel, but well, not actually do it as an R thing because I mean I don't think it was made for much money. This film was probably looked, I mean it didn't really look much, you know, on set. You know, it does look you know special effects are pretty cheap these days, and it, it doesn't look an overly expensive film. So it probably could do it relatively cheaply. Well, not the yeah. audience there for this. I really don't think there is. I don't think it really set world on fire when it first came out. So who knows? But like, it's not a bad film. Yeah. Um, what would you give it a ten? I'm gonna go. I'm gonna give it seven. I'm gonna be generous just because there is something in there. It just should have been fleshed out a bit better. Yeah. You know, yeah. maybe explained a wee bit more once the ball got rolling into like the kind of second half of the movie when it kind of changed from being a kind of crazy thriller-looking thing to a, a kind of sci-fi movie. Yeah, I'm actually with you. I'm giving it six and a half out of ten. I thought it was much exactly what you echoed there. It just needs more fleshing out to make it be really interesting. Um, yeah, you know, there's a few other films I've watched recently where, I, like that vast of night, that felt like a world we we kind of it brought you in a world we kind of felt more fleshed out. You know, it was very instantaneous. You know, it just needs something to just give, give me something that I know this I, I can recognise this world. Monsters as well. Mm-hmm. It was on it was out a decade ago now. Great version of this idea. Of yeah. this, a world that you recognise a little bit, but you, it, there's something different about it. But it, it gives you enough early on that you can accept the world you're in. This didn't really do that enough for me. Um, up next, another Amazon watch. No, sorry, Netflix watch, sorry. Um, and that is Athlete A documentary. It's on, on Netflix just now. Directed by Bonnie Cohen and John Schenk, who directed uh, An Inconvenient Sequel, the sort of the follow-up to the Al Gore Inconvenient Truth one. Um, and they also directed one called Audrey and Daisy, which is all about kind of online bullying. So they're, they're, they don't shy away from the sort of darker, more depressing subjects when it comes to the, the documentary making. Um, this one is all about 
uh, USA Gymnastics, specifically Larry Nasser, who was a USA team doctor who spent about, what, 20 odd years essentially abusing yeah. young girls and also the sort of the, the systematic way that USA Gymnastics covered it up and, and didn't do anything about it. And just not just about sexual abuse, but all just general abuse and, you know, just with, like, you know, physical abuse, mental abuse, you know, just to that's put upon all these like these very young girls to, to try and perform and succeed and and um, and become Olympians. Um, so Larry Nasser is, and he doesn't speak in it, which is probably quite thankful. He is sort of the sort of the, the bogeyman in the centre of this film. Um, Jamie, I think, is mm-hmm. Dancinger. She's sort of the, one of the main girls. She's one of the first ones to blow the whistle on him. Uh, and it kind of follows quite a bit the, the Maggie Nichols story, the young girl who get dropped from the Olympic team, you know, because she sort of spoke out about the, the abuse. Um, what do you think of this one? I really enjoyed this documentary. Um, I thought it was definitely a subject that had to be told and yeah. exposed. Because to, to be honest, I, I didn't know about this story until this uh, documentary. Uh, well, so I've yeah. never heard of this story like on the news or nothing. Um, maybe if you lived in America, maybe it'd be a bit more prominent. But yeah. over here, I never heard anything about it. Um, but no, I, I like this story and I like the fact that like it tells you in the documentary that all these giggles were doing the right thing. Yeah. They were going to like they were going to like their coaches and management and all the rest of it saying like I think he's lit. I think he's doing stuff to us that's not right. Oh. And then they were the ones that were covering it up and saying like they would sort it out within house and all that and it yeah. just kept on continuing and continuing. And then eventually, like, you know, one of them had to, uh, what did they do, go to the newspaper or the yeah. police or something. Oh. So it was like, you know, it was like, it's pathetic that, you, that like, these girls were in a position where they were doing absolutely the right thing, mm. but yet it was the ones who should have been looking after their best interests were just like, eh, fuck them, whatever, right. you know. Yeah, it just felt a bit, the whole entire thing just reeked of being absolutely creepy as creepy you can get. So it's a really horrible. Yeah. It's, it's just horrible from the start, you know, because like you said, the young girls are yeah. doing what they should be doing. There's other adults who notice something not right, and they report it as well, and that's still ignored for really mm. stupid reasons. And you, I felt it's always everything happens to kids, utterly horrible and, dis- and disgraceful. And you, you want anyone involved in it to be, you know, all the goals for it, and you know, and work yeah. But you because know, the old you talk to the parents, yeah. absolutely, you see the dad over the girl. That was like yeah. one of the, that was so horrible. It was so sad listening to him because he like said, because they don't. Some of the girls don't come from like sort of these very affluent backgrounds. They come from quite you know humble backgrounds and quite you know working class backgrounds. And he, yeah. they thought that getting their kids into this like sort of special camp school thing for them was like the best thing, and they thought they were doing right for daughters and their daughters like dreams and everything like that. And you see how broken they are now by the fact that they didn't know, they didn't, they couldn't help. Yeah. Kids, and that is that to me was one of the most traumatic and horrible things in it that these parents had to live with the fact that they thought they were doing the right thing and putting their kids in these places to, to help them and make them achieve stuff. And it's it's that that's it's sort of it's broken them, and it's so and that's yes. really horrible to watch, yeah, absolutely. It was, um, because like, like the higher ups they were covering this all up purely because of like, um, it was like sponsorships they were trying yeah. to get because. Yeah. Like, uh, the little camp that they were in, they were the ones that feed the actual US gymnastics like yes. Olympic team and they were trying to get sponsorships for the 
is the 94 is the 94 Olympics no 2000 2004 sorry uh, 2000s and it was like um, and it was all about just keep it quiet keep it in house because we need to get that sponsorship and you're like that is fucking pathetic Aye, so absolutely disgusting Aye. you know but we're, but we're seeing it still now, not just with sexual, you know, abuse cases, but even in like sort of, you know, football and American football and baseball right now. The only thing that's making um, teams actually engage with, you know, racial issues right now, is the fact mm. that they're going. If you're going to continue to do this, we're not going to sponsor you. You know, the Washington yeah. Redskins have been like sort of again pushing out to change their name again. They've been pushed for the last forty years to change their name from the Washington Redskins to something less racist, and they've basically always said, "Yeah, no, I'm not going to do it. That's our name." Only now because FedEx and Coca Cola and Pepsi and these people are saying, like, you're going to keep but we're, we're not going to sponsor you. That's basically it. And now they're currently like, well, maybe we should change the name. Like, so it's nothing to do with the fact that it's about, you know, the right thing to do or how they're offending people, or how they're hurting people. It's a purely money driven industry, you know, and it's yeah. that's, that's what's making them change their mind. They might say they're doing it for the better good for the community, but they, you know, if they change their name for anything, it's because they want the money. Yeah. And they've had 40 years. And let's be honest, it's going to be the same team, the same way they're playing, almost the same strip Aye. with just a different logo. Aye. Same stadium, same everything. Yeah. It's just, change their fucking name. It doesn't matter one iota. Yeah. It's like a franchise. If there's suddenly fans didn't start going, you just pick up that stadium and fuck off to another town. Well, anyway. So why does it even matter? That's an amazing thing. People say, like, oh, you can't change your name, it's historical, that's the thing they've always been. They haven't. They've moved location four times in their, in their history. And they've, not, they've not always been the worst in Redskins, they've, they've had other names as well. So it's like, mm. exactly. It's, it's just, it's, and it's just, and it's just the way the American uh, sports industry works. It's just like, just change your name. It makes yeah. absolutely no fucking difference, you know? Okay. Uh, British sports aren't much better, you know. Sponsorship is a big deal as well, so it's, it's, they're not much better. Yeah, but yeah. So, like you said, that is the yes. main point. This, um, aye, it's it's pathetic. And yeah, when I was watching this, I just found myself getting slowly and truly more and more annoyed. And what I did like about it was when the physio guy was getting interviewed, and the camera was like up in the roof. Yeah, and it was pointing down at him. And he and the gal and the gal lady was kind of hitting him with some questions, you know, kind of leading him, leading him. And then all of a sudden, bang! It changed, and she started hitting him with like right. some like serious, hard questions. And then you see him feel like stuttering and bumbling his way through it. And you're like, "You're fucking guilty as fuck, man! You know right. exactly what you were doing. <laughs> yeah. There's no way on this fucking planet doing that to the girls is anywhere near sort of like physical, eh, physio like right. rehab." Like, fuck off, just put your hands up and get and realize you've been caught. Aye. Yeah. It's more amazing. It takes the, the female detective who's doing it as the first one who sort of goes, That's every answer you gave me was wrong because I knew that's not how you give any sort of examination. How could, how, yeah. how did, why did it take her to raise this? You know, why did, why did all, you know, and obviously we know why because the, the, the USA gymnastics never passed it on to the right relevant people. But what, imagine if, if he had been interviewed by, a male police officer that time, he might have yeah. went, he might not, he might have seen that in a different way because he maybe did, he maybe wouldn't accept that, you know, he maybe we would accept the doctor's answers. It's only because this police officer was smart enough and she was switched on up to go, you're, you're full of shit, I'm not going to take this. And he, she yeah. pushed it and pushed it and pushed it and that's what made a big difference, you know, so it's, 
it's always little happenstance things. The only reason you get caught is because you get interviewed by the right person. That's that's what caught him out. Because you can't say it's because that she was the first person to catch him, because hundreds of people caught him, most people caught him, and they didn't see it. It's, it's because she pushed it enough that it changed, you know. Um, mm. What do you think of the idea of making it a documentary rather than going for the whole, like a one-off documentary rather than going with the whole, you know, the Epstein way with the four episode, you know, miniseries? No. You think it was a better, I, I think better this, Yeah, I, I think this was just perfectly packaged uh, a running time of 103 minutes. This was absolutely perfect. Yeah. There was, I felt like if they had went for, like, say, like four episodes, I don't think they, I don't think there's enough content to flesh it out for that length of time. I think, yeah. I think this was just right on the button, perfect. Yeah, I think the point is the guy's not that clever. You know, he, 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 no. he was caught out there. Once people got saying, once somebody smart enough, or even smart enough, someone noticed what he was doing properly, when he was caught and convicted very quickly because like, you're clearly a fucking, uh, you're a monster. It wasn't, you know, yeah. the Epstein thing of this, of layers upon layers upon layers of what, you know, um, you know, got um, subterfuge and sort of, you know, who knows what and all that kind of stuff. It was very obvious what he was doing once someone actually just looked at it properly. Um, the only ah. thing I would say about the length of it is, is it is a good length, it's well told, is that it feels a little bit like we're still kind of maybe not in midway through the story, but we're only like three quarters of the way through the story. It feels still a little bit mm. because there's not been the complete shakedown and sort of change at the top of UNC gymnastics. That feels like that needs to be done before the story is complete. I feel like it's still part of the story. Like, how are these people managing to stay in their jobs even after all this? You know, yeah. like he goes up, like he goes up in front of Congress. He basically just keeps saying he pleads the Fifth Amendment all for every question he gets asked. You know, so obviously he's something to hide. He obviously knows that he's guilty of something as well. The, the head of the gymnastics association. So it feels like now we're still maybe there's still a, a percentage of the story, a couple of chapters still to be told. So. That's yeah. a bit of a shame that the, the full story's not been told, but hopefully in time that's, that that's actually will come out. Nice. Yeah. Nice. We, we, think, we, think out, we think out of 10. I'm going to give us a solid eight and a half because nice. I, I did actually greatly enjoy, enjoy it and I'm glad that like a lot of folks started getting their comeuppance. It didn't just end with him. It kept on going and going because it showed just a lack of compassion and care for the, the kids that they were meant to be looking after. Right. And what was nice to see is the girl who missed an Olympic team. She's obviously got that mm. in her life. She'll never get it. But she seems genuinely happy in life now, which I thought was nice. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Like, uh, the, few, the few folk that I've seen speaking about the Olympics, I know it's like people's lifelong dream in certain disciplines, but to be honest, it doesn't ever sound like the be-all and end-all once you get there. Yeah. You know? Yeah, true. Yeah. You know, it, it, it seems nice like... It's nice to see a, a postscript of the women who... Yeah. yeah who have not been broken by this, they've, they've continued their lives and they've, and they've, you know, they've not been stopped by this, they've, they've continued to succeed in many different ways. And I thought that was really, it was good that they showed yeah, that absolutely. as well, that there is life after these events. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. Absolutely. Right. On to the last film, which is an Amazon one, which I'm always intrigued when, not so much Amazon, but when you suggest a film, because you very rarely ever yeah. you know, put one forward. It's always me that's sort of trying to find stuff for us to watch. So I'm always intrigued when you put Well, this, forward. I can't take credit for this because this came from like uh, a friend. This came from Robert, who ironically enough lives next door to you. <laughs> okay, fair enough. Um, <laughs> so, but watching uh, it, I'm going, you, this does not feel like a Barry film because you are a wuss no. when it comes to horror, um, particularly this type of horror. <laughs> so I was very surprised when you, when you suggested this one. 
So The Void, directed by Jeremy Gillespie and Stephen Kostansky. Um, we did a film a few years ago yes. called Father's Day, which I've not actually seen. Um, it looks very much in the same vein as this. So the plot of this film is a police officer finds someone on the road who is scrambling along, along the road. He takes him to a, a hospital to get him treatment. Um, they think he's been involved in maybe a possible murder. Um, but from that, there's a weird cult outside to attract people in the hospital. Um, equally, there's also a monster on about, possibly. Um, and just, there's a general oddness throughout the hospital. There's definitely there's, um, there's, it's a yeah, there's definitely oddness in the hospital, particularly with the the kind of body changing monster and also the the cult outside who are attacking anyone who tries to leave the hospital. Um, the cast are pretty much nondescript. I don't know who any of them are. It's a guy called Aaron Poole, Kenneth Wald, Daniel Fathers, Kathleen Monroe. They're all pretty much and not unknown. Well, they are unknown. They're not really. They're jobbing actors. They're not really anyone famous of note. Um, yes. This I thought was decent. Like, I'm really surprised you suggested this one. This does not seem like your type of film at all. Um, yeah, like I, I said, that's getting recommended to me because okay. it was a movie that Robert absolutely adores, and he was like, "You need to see this because it's okay. good." So it's a solid, well-done thriller horror. I thought I thought it was decently yeah. done. Um, it shares a lot of DNA with the thing. You ever seen the thing? The Rob, the John Carpenter yes. thing. Yes. It's, it's it's got a lot of stuff that that's very echoes of that. The, particularly the body trauma, the body horror, all the you know the, the creature changing. Um, mm. The budget itself, apparently very low budget. Apparently, what they had to like crowdfund a lot of this stuff as well to get it to get put through. So they use the budget well, I thought, to, to tell the story, and they use the budget well when it comes to the gore and the horror. They don't. I mean, I said they don't overdo it because they do at times they do definitely overdo the, the horror and the blood, but they do it in enough mm. like sort of there's enough of a break between it that it doesn't feel like it's relentless. It feels like you know it's it's it, when it hits you, it hits you hard. Um, performances were good, I thought. Um, directing, I thought was decent as well. I thought they held the cap, held his tone, and held the style well. Um, the third act does go off a little bit. It, it sort of it changes its direction from being like sort of a, a kind of the thing. Assault and Precinct 13 type horror, and it was a little bit more kind of sci fi and sort of like religious zealot type thing, which I thought didn't really push it in the best way. I thought that felt a bit too much of a that felt almost like they're trying to get too much of a conclusion into it. They could have easily have it a little more open ended, and it actually probably worked a yeah. little bit better, you know. So, like the great end of yeah. the thing, you don't know what's happened at the end. That's that kind of ending is what you want. Maybe they'll try to get away from the thing, so then we'll be too echoing of it. But the, the ending, it felt a little bit to try and be almost too. Too odd and too weird that it, be- it became a little bit a parody of what these kind of films can be sometimes. Um, if you know, what did you think of it? Since you're not the big body horror, blood gore fan, what did you think of it? Yeah, I actually quite enjoyed it. I, co- I enjoyed the fact how it was all kind of like contained within this like creepy uh, hospital, yeah. <laughs> uh, which is a hospital, strangely enough, that doesn't really have like any sort of like accident emergency. It's almost like a wee small local hospital. Well, so that's why like, they're moving. They're moving that, all the stuff to the new oh, big so, hospital. That's why yeah, it's, yeah. it's been sort of mostly deserted. Yeah. So, so yeah, it's like they turn up and stuff, and then it's just like there's nothing. It's nobody there to help, really. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. My other takeaway from this is simply that's an ugly ass baby. Yes, you get the point. Um, I did actually enjoy the acting for the most part. I thought it was really good. Yeah, um, yeah 
I, I enjoyed it. You know, it was a good Kath Robbie movie. I'm definitely in agreement with yourself. I don't really enjoy the whole kind of like, kind of like cultish religious bit at the end. I thought that was yeah. a, bit, uh, a bit cheesy. Uh, yeah, I was like that. I thought it was a decent wee movie. Yeah. Yeah. Nice. It's it a nice movie. Like, remember that one we watched um, Call Out of Space? The um, yes. Nicholas Cage one? Yeah. It felt a wee bit like that a little bit of times, you know, that kind of same kind of feel to it, and the, and the, the soundtrack of that kind of thing to it as well, and it's very sort of this intense soundtrack all the way through it. Um, but yeah, no, I thought, I, again, it's, it's, a, it's a decent, well-done horror. For the money they've got for it and for what they had to do, I thought they spent the money well, and yeah. it, it worked pretty decently. Um, like I said, the ending didn't really do it for me, um, and I'm not the biggest fan of, like, sort of that, that really intense body horror, and it's just like, you know, that's the way they do it. You know, I can take it in bits and bobs. Mm. It's something that gets a little bit too much for me, um, and I'm not a huge fan of it. But this this seemed to find the line just enough well to to make it watchable, rather than being like you know very you know over the top with the point I'm coming off. Um, but it's, yeah. decent, it's, it's on it's on Amazon. No, it's on Amazon. It's only like yeah. 80 minutes long, so it's, it's pretty quick as well. Aye. So yeah, definitely, aye. definitely for we watch. Good. It's a good Friday night it film. Does. See, like a Friday night horror film. Good for that. A couple of beers in it. Aye. Definitely. Exactly. It's, a, it's a very good couple of years film. Um, out of 10 for that one? I'm going to... Okay, I'm going to give this one that solid 7. Because yeah. I did actually enjoy it. And I'm not the biggest horror fan. Yeah. I'm very much on the same page as you. 7 out of 10. I enjoyed it. It's not breaking any new ground. It's not breaking any new barriers. But what it does, it does particularly. It does well. It, 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 does, it yeah. does the main things well. And I thought it was good. And like the, I think if you stripped the cult element out of it, I think it would be a much better film. I think you could... But then again... Yeah. They have enough story. Maybe they have enough story to, to make it last there and a half at that point. That's the issue. But I think the cult story in it didn't really add anything to it at all. No, yeah. absolutely not. Enough, decent enough. Uh, next week yeah. we've got on Netflix. We've got a romantic comedy called Love Buds. This has got Camille Nanjiani in it, so it looks interesting. Uh, we also have Support the Girls, which is sort of almost looks like Clerks crossed with Wait. Um, waiting but setting a hooters okay. joint so okay, it, okay. interesting uh, I don't think it's a comedy it's more of a dark maybe an indie kind of thing it looks interesting enough it's good. it basically got quite good reviews and also on Amazon Kings which is um, a film all set around about the Rodney King I think it's the Rodney King trial um, the sort of aftermath of that with the riots it's got Daniel Craig and Halle Berry in it um, and that's on Amazon oh, okay. so it look, that looks quite interesting a good kind of Social justice kind of thing that looks quite interesting. Tell me what you find is, Barry. Yeah. All the usual social media haunts Instagram, Twitter, and uh, Facebook at Three Beers in a Movie. That's great. So, that's this week, I've been Richard. You've been Barry. And you've been listening to.